You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Clemson Nation, and welcome into Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday, another ACC championship for the Clemson Tigers, another Clemson championship, sixth consecutive outright championship under Dabo Swinney, and it feels really good. Of course, the Tigers got it done in Charlotte this weekend, 34-10 over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in blowout fashion. Super excited about that. First up, we're going to be talking about the offensive performance. Trevor Lawrence looked like the Heisman Trophy winner that he should be. Uh, And then in the second segment, we'll be talking about the defensive performance. They really set the tone for this game. And then last up, we'll be talking about the college football playoffs. Uh, We will be headed to New Orleans to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes in a game that's going to have a lot of storylines behind that, a lot of salt thrown around. So we're super excited about that. Stick around with us. My name is Ellis Tolbert. I am a new host of Locked On Clemson. Follow me on Twitter at Ellis Tolbert. That's E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T. If you're coming over from the podcast, please let me know uh, that you're following me from Locked On Clemson. I, I took over a new podcast uh, that had some roots before, uh, and I don't know all of you, so let's get acclimated. I'm super excited to get to know you and continue conversation. As always, please subscribe to Locked On Clemson. You can find that wherever you find your podcasts, and it is completely free. If you do that favor for me, you'll be able to get these episodes as they drop five days a week, nonstop Clemson stuff. Let's get after it. And if you will, do us a huge favor. Please review the show. Leave us some nice words and slap a ginormous five-star rating on the show to get us a little bit higher in the rankings. We want to get some we want to get some notification out there. We want we want to see where we are. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off of your next order. Let's get into it. All right, let's start this by talking about the offense in this game, and it was night and day compared to what happened in South Bend in November. I think the biggest difference, Trevor Lawrence being on the field. They went 25 or 36 on the field for 322 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception that was a little bit errant. We'll get through that in a second. But the thing that I I think really changed the game, put the game over the top for the Tigers offensively, was his 14 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. He had a 34-yard run that just looked like no one can catch him on that one. That is the difference, in my opinion, than the game in November. Not going off of anything that DJ Uyunglele did because he had 411 yards passing. (laughs) You can't really discount that. But I think that the ability for Trevor Lawrence to run gives pause to a Notre Dame defense. Clark Lee could not send his guys like he normally did. You have to because Trevor Lawrence was being able to uh, really exploit the ends in this game. He was holding the ball at the mesh point. Guys could not run if they had to do anything. They had to widen out to make sure that Trevor couldn't run. But then you can give lanes to a guy like Travis Etienne, which is why he has 10 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown in this game. Another 44-yard run after a blunder on third down uh, by Trevor Lawrence. I think that was kind of Dabo's fault. We'll talk about that too. But again, the running game was the difference in this game. We talked about it last time. Clemson had one yard average per carry in South Bend. That was unacceptable. And I think the... Interior O-line really took that as a uh, slap in the face, a punch to the gut that they were not getting it done. So they were challenged by Tony Elliott and pretty much everybody out there that talks about Clemson football. Hey, the glaring obvious thing was the interior O-line was not as good as it was in previous years. Well, I think they found ways to really make this happen. Let's talk about how they did that. I talked about Trevor Lawrence using the mesh point read and RPO to be able to do things that made 
Notre Dame's defense will be a little less aggressive than they were with a true freshman back at the helmet quarterback. But they also did some things that early on that Clemson fans have hated over the years, and that's widen the defense out with screens and bubble screens and draws and things like that because that's going to widen that defense out as well. That's why lanes were opening up for Travis Etienne. You know that at any moment he can break one. We were excited to see that. But a guy like Amari Rogers really just put the game on his back. Eight receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Now, it's not super surprising because we were able to exploit these cornerbacks and safeties in this game the last time they played. I was not impressed with Notre Dame's secondary, but the linebacker core for Notre Dame is elite, and the D-line is elite as well, but if they are not able to pin their ears back like they normally do, they are less effective uh, in this game than they would like to be. (laughs) Clemson's average was around eight yards per carry in this game, and a lot of that had to do with Trevor Lawrence. So again, he just elevates the play of everybody on the field. EJ Williams also is a bright spot. Frank Ladson was pretty much unable to go. He got out there, I think, for a play or two, but EJ Williams really had to make that call uh, to get out there. Coach Gresham knew what was best. You got to go with your hot hands out there. And EJ Williams looks like Justin Ross, a teammate of his both in high school and now at Clemson. So one-handed catch on the sideline has given me a lot of excitement and hope for his future. We're going to need these guys going forward in the playoffs. We'll talk about that a little bit later too, but we'll talk about that third down issue. Uh, You know, a lot of that was a clocking issue. It was time management. I think they thought if you get the first down, you're going to go ahead and clock it. Someone communicated to Trevor that it was first down and he's like, hey, I'm ready to go. Let's get this done fast because he's a upperclassman. He knows and he spiked the ball. Somehow they were still able to just blow through the Notre Dame defensive line and first (laughs) front seven, I guess you could say, for a Travis Etienne 44 yard run. Uh, And they really showed dominance early on. I think Clemson's offense was confident. They wanted to prove a point. Again, that O-line was just being taunted and saying, hey, you guys aren't that good. This is why Clemson is an elite. And they really stepped up this time. I like what I saw out of a true freshman in Walker Parks. He was out there cracking skulls. I talked about this on Twitter. He was out there cracking skulls and was doing it like he was just having fun. He's a true freshman, folks. We're going to have a really good offensive line in the next two years. I'm, I'm saying this offensive line might be One of the better in college football, not just in the ACC or in Clemson history. One of the better offensive lines we've seen just because we're getting a lot of experience for young guys now. We'll see what happens with a guy. I talked about this last episode with a guy like Jackson Carmen if he comes back. But I really think Clemson is going to be able to capitalize on this. Now, we see the difference when you're having a guy like Trevor Lawrence on the field. He can not only read that mesh point, but he can also check in and out of plays without having to look to the sideline to Streeter or, you know, having to have that communication with Tony Elliott. He can make those plays on his own. We go back to that one interception that he had. That wasn't anything that confused him. Clark Lee had a really good play call on that one. Good front, good look. Trevor Lawrence was able to uh, check to something that was better. He knew what they were doing. The only problem was Trevor Lawrence didn't hold on to the ball a little bit longer. But, you know, great play from Notre Dame. Outside of that, Trevor made them pay all night. Travis Etienne was the beneficiary of this because now he didn't have that terrible shutdown game. And again, I talked about this as well. They were able to throw the ball to Travis Etienne. He only had three receptions for 12 yards, but when you have an option for your running back to be out there, it's going to make the defense be less aggressive. That's why Clemson was driving the ball on them. I think if Clemson can continue this kind of play, At this level, also getting the tight ends involved, I think that Clemson will be nearly unstoppable going into the playoffs. And it's going to be a big deal because you're going to be playing a essentially fresh Ohio State team. 
I'm super confident about that, though. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in the final segment. But a lot of players got to play. You even had a curtain call for Trevor Lawrence in a conference championship game. That's a pretty big deal. The kids going out and you playing your backup, who also threw for 400 yards on you in your own house. It's a pretty big deal. So, again, I'm pleased with this Clemson offense. I think they did what they had to do and more. And I'm excited for the postseason play. I think a lot of the narrative of Clemson has changed after this game. Seems like people were just off of the Clemson train once they had that little shaky game with Boston College and then losing to Notre Dame the next week. I think people thought that Clemson was an elite, and they proved this weekend that they still are elite. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking about the defensive game plan and the defensive performance. I think Clemson really knocked it out of the park with this one. You get Brent Venables a little time, and he's going to come up with a good game plan for anybody that they play. You're listening to Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we go into that next segment, let me tell you about my favorite beer, and that's Coors Light. What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button for what's next? Everything is go, 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 go these days. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. You want to pull your hair out. I know it's like that for me. I've got a full-time job and I've got to record this amazing podcast for you. And then I've got to edit it and upload it and do all these things, plus life in general. And, and it just makes you go crazy. And I know you feel me, right? It's just like something all the time. Sometimes you just need to hit that reset button and turn off. I know that's how I feel. I know that's how you feel. So what we should do is reach for an ice cold Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Coors wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you an excuse to chill and drink a beer. And why not do it with a mountain cold refreshment? It's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for any moment to unwind. The perfect moment, in my opinion, is when you're getting home from work and you just you have no other responsibilities. You just want to chill. You can crack open an ice cold Coors Light. It's going to feel great going down. It's going to taste delicious as well. So that's the one that I choose when I need to unwind. When you need to hit reset and unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Also, let me tell you about my friends over at betonline.ag. Are we ready for some football, folks? We should be. We've had a lot of football, fortunately, this year. But college football is going to be heading into bowl season soon, and there are some big matchups coming up. You know the Tigers are heading down to Nolens to take on them Buckeye boys, so I'm super excited about that. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming ever clearer. My Titans are going to be there, I know. Uh, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. And use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Segment two coming up shortly on Locked On Clemson. Stick around. Betting on the Clemson Tigers doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, I think if you look at the things they got on us, we gave them. I mean, we bust and uh, just guys trying to do a little too much you know and when we settled in we just started doing our job and not trying to do too much and then you know the rest is history and even on the last drive I and mean, we just 
where they scored. We were really frustrated about that. We were not happy that we you know, we gave them that. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show the intensity of the Venables and, and the expectation we have on the side of the ball. I sense a different level of this whole team. I mean, we treat every game the same way, don't get me wrong. But uh, when you listen to some of the things, you know, they were saying leading up to this game, uh, they, they pushed some buttons. I think they, they wish they shouldn't have pushed we're all in here at Locked On Clemson. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to talk Clemson defense. And boy, did they set the tone in this game. We know that the offense really atoned for all their mistakes up in South Bend in November. Uh, lack of run game, just inefficient play. But this time, they really turned it around. I want to talk about the defense, though, because I think the defense was a victim of having your most important players out in that game. Jamie Skalski, who you just heard from, Tyler Davis along the defensive line, and Mike Jones, who's that nickel Sam type player for Clemson. It's a big deal when you don't have those guys, and we saw the results of having a fully healthy Clemson team going up against you. I I, I want to caution saying fully healthy because you didn't really have Frank Ladson on the field. You didn't have Joe Ngata, and you didn't have Justin Ross. That's a big deal, so we'll get into it again. It looked like early on in the game, Notre Dame was going to move the ball at will on Clemson. A lot of that had to do with Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, adding some wrinkles to what they did last time. They came out in traditional pass personnel and ran the ball. They came out in traditional run personnel. We're talking 13 personnel at times with three tight ends in there and threw the ball. So it's kind of different for them. Clemson had to adjust This is why you saw a lot of open players in the zone. Clemson was trying to run zone and and have a couple of guys in the the front seven attack. Uh, They just ran some really good zone busters, and, and it worked for the most part. When Clemson started to hone in on that and realize what they're doing and how they're trying to go about this game, they locked down. They started to pin their ears, go after Ian Book, and collapse the pocket. They started going from a zone look to combo coverages and man-to-man. Once Clemson went to man-to-man, it was pretty much over because they said, hey, the only way you're going to beat us, you're not running on us, first and foremost. The only way you're going to beat us is if you're going to beat us on the outside with your receivers versus our cornerbacks and safeties did not happen later on in the game. Uh, I talk about collapsing the pocket on Ian Book. That's probably the most important thing that happened in this game. The offensive line had to shuffle some things around. Josh Lug had to come over from the right guard spot to take over the center spot. Zeke Correll was hurt, who is the backup to Jarrett Patterson, the the veteran center uh, for Notre Dame, who was there in November, was not there in this game. Zeke Correll also had an ankle injury. He could not go. So Josh Lug had to go over uh, and he had to bring another player in as well to take over his spot. It's a pretty big deal because Clemson got back Tyler Davis along the defensive line. And when you have a Tyler Davis being healthy, being the player that he is, along with Jordan Williams and Brian Brzee and Niles Pinckney, it's really, really hard uh, to get a lot of success, especially interior O-line against this Clemson defense. Uh, so <laughs> they really set the tone. And then the linebackers in this game, again, I talk about how important Jamie Skalski is. He is a head hunter, but he's able to play fast and smart at the same time. A very rare skill for players on the defensive side of the ball. He's able to diagnose things quickly. Uh, he's able to shed blockers and get out of traffic and find the ball. This is why Notre Dame could not run the ball interior. They were running a lot of outside zone type things. They were running a lot of like stretch plays because they knew they could not run inside. Uh, so it's important that Clemson got that going. Passing game, like I said, they were trying their best to get zone busters going. But once that was stopped, they had nothing downfield. Clemson had... Ian Book running for his life. We had six sacks in this game, and that's a testament to two different things. Two, Clemson 
came out instead of over pursuing him in the rush lanes, they were able to just collapse the pocket. That's all you really need to do. You don't need to run right at the quarterback. You just need to make him realize it's collapsing. Ian book has happy feet. He's one of those backyard football guys. That reminds me a lot of Eric Dungy, uh, former quarterback at Syracuse guy. That's just really good at moving around in and out of the pocket. But the problem with Ian book is that he likes to run into his own players backsides a lot. He will run straight into your booty cheeks. If you allow him to, or he'll run right into the defender's arm. We saw this a lot with Louisville. Uh, Clemson did take a few things from the Louisville game, and specifically having defensive ends drop and not necessarily having a spy on Ian Book. I think a lot of people think when you have a running quarterback that you have to have a designated spy. You don't. You just have to have gap integrity and make sure your rush lanes are clear. You do not want to have a guy just having a wide open spot and lane to run through. Uh, And he did not have that in this game. And again, the coverage on the back end. Clemson was able to make sure their receivers are not winning any one-on-ones at all. Anything that was open was because they had a zone coverage buster. They were really, really good about that in this game. In the first part of it, I also want to talk about Jonathan Dorer, too, uh, the kicker who made his hometown appearance uh, for Charlotte at Notre Dame. He made a 51-yard field goal. It's good for the record in the ACC title game. Kid has a big leg, but he missed his chip shot. And that's important because early on, it looked like that was going to be the only points that Clemson gave up to Notre Dame. If not for a bust against backup players at Clemson later in the game, Clemson would have held Notre Dame to three points, and that would have been even more embarrassing. I think the idea of Notre Dame might have diminished a little bit more. As we saw with the college football playoff committee, they didn't really value that that much, though. They said, hey, this team is still elite. That just means Clemson's even better, and we understand that Clemson was playing Notre Dame a little handicapped the first time they played, and they were playing in South Bend. Some other things that I really like to see in this game uh, that we did see uh, is the young players stepping up, the guys that are young, not a lot of experience, playing like experienced players now. We go to the secondary. Andrew Booth played a great game. He is an experienced player now. Miles Murphy played his butt off. Uh, so did Brian Brzee. Even if you don't actually hit the quarterback, if you pressure the quarterback, you get him off time. There was no rhythm throws for Ian Book in this game. He was 20 of 28 for 219 yards, but he only averaged about 7.8 yards per throw quarterback rating of 64%. We really held him uh, pretty much in check in this entire game. The most important thing that I thought, though, was the run game. Clemson shut down Notre Dame's run game. There was no semblance of success in that. Of course, you have to adjust this for the sack yards that they had. Ian Book had negative 35 in this one. They only rushed for a team-wide 44 yards. They actually had more yards rushing on the first play in the game in South Bend with Kyron Williams than they did in this entire game. And that's a testament to Clemson really bowing up with that healthy defensive line and pretty much healthy front seven. Clemson came in with a great game plan. You actually sent a lot of exotic pressures. They actually confused Ian Book, which is something that I didn't necessarily think was going to happen this stage of his career. He's a veteran player, but Clemson actually confused him. And when he did not have any options down the field, hey, it's just run for your life and hope we can get a first down. That of which did not happen very often. Kyron Williams had 15 carries for 50 yards in this game for an average of 3.3. He did have a 24-yard run, but it's not that impressive when you think of the overall uh, shutdown in the run game. And I will talk a little bit more about this too. I think Ian Book's words, some of the players' words for Notre Dame, hearing how they were acting towards Clemson after the game. Of course, you beat the number one team in your house. You're gonna you're gonna chirp a little bit. You should celebrate. But I I also caution people of giving Clemson any kind of bulletin board 
material. This is going to be the same for any team that plays Clemson going forward. If you give Clemson bulletin board material and they feel like you have disrespected a team who's made the college football playoffs now for six times, you've won the ACC title for six times in a row, you're going to pay for that. And Clemson made them do that as well. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking about the Ohio State-Clemson matchup in the Sugar Bowl for the semifinals of the college football playoffs. You've been listening to Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let me tell you about my friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It tastes like a candy bar. You won't even know the difference. It is delicious. It's got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. It's got six new flavors that you want to check out, too. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, Carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They're just so good uh, to go along with their 12 original flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they are super soft and easy to chew. These bars are healthy for you too. They're great for the health conscious guy or gal that you are. It's going to help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Great for the keto diet as well. Let's talk about the coconut almond flavor profile. It's got 18 grams of protein, 180 calories. That's nothing. Five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs. Very good for the body. And right now, you'll get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news, insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with Peacock and Williamson Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Last up on Locked On Clemson, we're going to talk about the semifinals. We're going to see the Clemson Tigers head down to Louisiana yet again for the semifinals in the Sugar Bowl to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes, a game that is going to have a lot of intrigue to it. I'm super excited about it. It's got a lot of bulletin board material for both teams. We know that Ryan Day last year went on a tirade about Clemson winning. The refs even posted the score in the locker room for players to never forget. In case you get Clemson again, you can knock them out. And then Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers, also added some fuel to the fire by saying that he didn't think that Ohio State should get in just because they didn't necessarily play the amount of games that other teams have played. Uh, he's not alone in that sentiment. Head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies, Jimbo Fisher, and Brian Kelly of the Fighting Irish also said some of the same things, but now Clemson's going to be facing that team again. Of course, Clemson has never lost to Ohio State, ever. Going back to the Woody Hayes days and the famous punch, Ohio State has literally never beaten Clemson. Clemson is going to be looking to extend that streak uh, coming up in about 10 days. They have opened up as a six and a half point favor and the over under is 65 and a half according to BetOnline.ag. It's going to be an interesting game. A lot of people right now are probably thinking Ohio State, man, they've got the advantage. They've only played six games this year. They're going to be healthy. Clemson's going to be beat up. But I think Clemson's peaking at the right time, and Ohio State might actually have peaked a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk through that and more. Let's start with Ohio State. We know that they ended up winning the game, the Big Ten Conference Championship, uh, against Northwestern 22-10, to and a game that was really ugly, in my opinion, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm not here to just keep disparaging the team, but 
They couldn't throw the ball if you allowed them to. They If they had no defenders on the field, they just could not throw the ball. A lot of that had to do with Chris Olave, one of a large amount of players missing for the Ohio State Buckeyes in this game. Not all were due to COVID, but a lot were. Uh, they just couldn't get it going in the passing game. Justin Fields looked completely off, which is something strange. You hadn't seen that in his entire career at Ohio State. Uh, just very off, but they had to rely on the running game, something that really worked for them later on in the game. Uh, Trey Sermon ended up having 322 yards or 331 yards. That's correct. 331 yards rushing against this haphazard Northwestern defense. It just didn't look right in the beginning. But once Ryan Day figured out, hey, we got to run the ball if we're going to have a chance to win this game, they turned it around and ended up winning the game by 12 points. Northwestern's not necessarily the best offensive team in the Big Ten. I would wager they're probably one of the worst but they put up a valiant effort and just couldn't get it done in the red zone. That's probably the biggest name for their game right now. Ohio State able to capitalize on some of those mistakes later on in the game. Again, they just have bigger, better players, even with a lot of players missing than Northwestern. If you're looking at this on face value, of course, Ohio State was given the opportunity to get into the Big Ten Championship, to have something else on their resume to be able to get them into the game. The semifinals, if you will, uh, but I wonder if they play anyone else at that time, do they lose that game? And I'm talking about anyone in the country. Uh, it just didn't look right out of an Ohio state team. On the other hand, you had Clemson who is starting to peak at the right time. Like I said earlier, uh, a lot of, you know, comments and chatter about Clemson not being necessarily an elite team this year. They just don't look good. You know, they, they got beat by Notre Dame. Uh, earlier in the year, so they're not that good. Uh, It really changed a lot of people's opinions quickly. Now you're hearing people talk about how they can't wait for the college football playoff national championship between Alabama and Clemson part five. (laughs) So I I think there's just a drastic difference of what happened on the field on Saturday in Charlotte. Changed the opinions of a lot of people. I talked about how Clemson is going to be a favorite in this game because of the reason that Ohio State is not necessarily sure they're going to have a full healthy squad. Remember, we're only going to be playing in about 10 days. That's a lot less time than the normal three weeks between conference championship games and the first semifinal game. So it's going to be interesting. The Big Ten, however, did allow uh, from some changes to their protocol. We all know that protocol earlier on the year was that a player afflicted with COVID would have to sit in protocol for 21 days. That has been now amended to 17 days to allow some players to potentially come back. Chris Olave might be in that group. I don't exactly know. Baron Browning is another one of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to need those players if they think they're going to beat Clemson this time around. The run game, if you have a passing game like you did against Northwestern, against Clemson, and you only can run the ball, you're going to be hurting. And we saw this against Notre Dame. Now, are we comparing Notre Dame's run game to Ohio State's? Yes, I would actually say Ohio State's run game is not as good as Notre Dame's when Notre Dame's offensive line is fully healthy. I just don't think it's going to happen. But Clemson showed that they're able to stop the run with guys like Tyler Davis and Jamie Skalski in the middle. If they're going to be one-dimensional and throwing inefficient passing games like they did against Northwestern, this game could potentially get really ugly for Ohio State, reminiscent of the 2016-31-0 Fiesta Bowl win for the Clemson Tigers over Ohio State. I don't know what's going to happen in this game again. Bet Online AG says this game is going to have Clemson as a touchdown favorite. 
in a game that's going to be upwards of 70 points probably before uh, the game kicks off. I know that if we get more information on which players will and will not be available for Ohio State, that line could potentially move even further in the Tigers' favor. We'll see what happens. I'm super excited about the game. I'm confident about this one. I think Clemson has the track record in the college football playoffs that shows that they are going to be ready for whatever happens coming soon and whoever's in front of them you better game plan quickly because Clemson's going to come after you the goal for this Tiger team is win the closer you've accomplished everything else whatever that closer is this could be it but we want to win so I'm excited about it you should be too and that will wrap it up for this edition of Locked On Clemson thank you guys for sticking with us Coming up tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking more Clemson football as well as recapping the Moorhead State game against the Clemson men's basketball team. That should be a good game for the Tigers to rebound off of that Virginia Tech loss. Feel free to follow me on Twitter. That's at Ellis Tolbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversations. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Clemson-Ohio State matchup in the semis. Also, hear your thoughts about Ohio State in general. Do you think this team can beat Clemson? As always, subscribe to Locked On Clemson. You can find that wherever you find your podcast for free. That way you can get all of the episodes as soon as they drop five days a week. You don't want to miss one. We're going to be going all in on the Clemson Tigers. Uh, if you'll do us a favor, please review the show and leave a giant five-star rating on it. It would help us so much. Thank you so much, and it's always great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll catch you tomorrow on Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great night, and go Tigers.